So many things have ruined my childhood So I go on like to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh-huh, uh-huh. Predators, uh-huh. Marvel, uh-huh. DC, uh-huh. Maybe it doesn't all quite fit Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks Could it be I've misunderstood This podcast ruined my childhood Hello, everyone, and welcome back to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Durasmo, and with me again, we have my spooky brothers from Other Mothers, Mr. Hunter Fagan and Mr. Andy DiGenova. Gentlemen, say hello to those fine folks out there. It's uh, it's a uh, day, so I'm so glad to be back. Happy November, Friday the 13th, everybody. Good to be back. Thanks, Phil. Hi, Hunter. Hello. I'm ready to go to Manhattan. I'm ready to box on a roof. I mean, n- nothing is more horrifying than those little flyers you'll get in the mail saying you want a free casino boat cruise. So, like, this movie really <laughs> captures kind of that experience, and I don't even have to leave my home. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I guess everybody out there has already figured out what we're talking about. But I guess if you haven't figured out what we're talking about, it's probably better on you. But this week, we're going to be talking about uh, probably. And, and arguably the best entry into the Friday the 13th franchise, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. But first, as we always do, we're going to take a step back to those days of our youth when we watched the original Friday the 13th movies and really became fans of the Friday the 13th franchise. So, uh, Andy, why don't you take us back to where you were as a wee little lad watching Friday the 13th for the first time? Oh man, I don't even know. I don't even remember. Um, because yeah, for, I was like, I was such a Freddy kid that I came to Friday the 13th, like later on. Um, and I feel like I didn't even see the first one first. I think I saw the third one first. So I never knew what order they all went in because I just sort of caught them on TV or cable, like middle of the night kind of thing. I do remember at a certain point renting the first one and being very confused because there was no Jason in it, <laughs> which I think a lot of people who, who saw the first one later probably had a similar experience. So it wasn't like, oh, I fell in love with the first one and then followed the franchise. It was very uh, unplanned and being like, oh, Friday the 13th part three is on TV this Saturday night and my brothers and sisters are asleep. I guess I'll watch it. And so, yeah, it wasn't, I think until I was a a bona fide adult that I like bought the collection and watched them in order up until then I watched them just as they were available. And I don't think I saw Jason takes Manhattan until. Yeah. I mean like way later, probably not until I watched them all in order, but I remember watching the first one at a certain point, renting it with my, my uh, siblings I remember 
honestly, the only thing I remember about it was I was confused because I was looking for Jason and I remember that Kevin Bacon got an arrow in the neck. That was the only image in my brain that stayed with me. Um, and so, yeah, like my appreciation for Friday the 13th came much later once I did like buy the set and, and really dove in in much in a much deeper way. But because as a kid, I was so obsessed with Freddie and then Michael Myers, Jason was the odd man out. How interesting. So Hunter, where, where were you with Friday the 13th franchise? So I, I, I alluded to this a couple of episodes back where we were talking about Halloween 6, but like me coming up and everything like that, I I was born outside of the, the 80s like slasher craze. So like growing up, like Jason and Freddie and Michael and, and everybody like that was just super commonplace. Like you saw them everywhere, whether that was Halloween decorations or costumes. Like I didn't really get to experience kind of the comeuppance of a slasher villain until like Ghostface. Like I was kind of like right at the right age where it was like, oh man, we're uh we're 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 doing Ghostface now. He's pretty creepy. I don't like that guy very much. But like everybody else was so iconic that I was familiar with Friday the 13th, but it was one of those that I didn't actually delve into fully until my teens. Now, these were movies that constantly just kind of played. Um, I'm trying to remember, like, I think at the time when I was like kind of dipping my toe into horror, like the Chiller Network got a lot of play because they always did reruns of Tales from the Crypt, which is something I absolutely love. But with that, you got to see a lot of reruns of older horror films. And I'm pretty sure that was like my first like TV airing of Friday the 13th. But my first actual, I am fortunate enough to have seen a Friday the 13th movie released theatrically. And that was the remake from 2009. And that was the first one that I really got to sit down and enjoy. I was just the right age for it. And uh, ever since then, I've been huge into Jason um, Friday the 13th is my favorite of the three major slashers and it probably always will be. There's, there's something to be said just for, in my opinion, Jason has the best look to him. Um, I watch the Friday the 13th movies the most and, um, it's just, it's a very close franchise to me. It's something that I've always loved and I'll continue to love ever since, you know, kind of becoming familiar with who Jason is and, and what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I, I spoke same thing a couple episodes ago when we talked about Halloween six, I talked about going to my friend Jesse's house and being able to watch horror movies there. And I, I vividly remember Friday the 13th part one being the first horror movie in the slasher era that I ever saw. And it was probably in 1993, 94, 95. And there was something about the idea that this, that people are getting killed in a secluded place. You know, other, other movies had done it. Like Texas Chainsaw had done it. Um, Halloween, it was in a town, which made it all the more scary. Um, But Friday the 13th, something about this being trapped in the woods with nowhere to go and no one to help you just just hooked me and in in 89 part eight had come out and so if you think when part one came out in 1980 and they got through eight films by 1989 they were just cranking these out as quickly (laughs) as they could because they could make money off of these movies with very small budgets 
but they they had this great lore that they came up with in the first movie and then the second film when they went a little supernatural with it. And a lot of people, Andrew, you said people are confused about how Mrs. Voorhees is the killer in the first movie. Jason's not in it. And I will tell you as the first real slasher movie I ever watched, it blew my mind because I also was expecting Jason because it's, it's the mid nineties at this point, And everybody knows Jason mm-hmm. is the killer in Friday the 13th. So when we got through and my friend Jesse was like, Oh, just wait, just wait, just wait. Cause I kept saying, when are we going to see Jason? When are we going to see Jason? Like, when are we going to get the hockey mask? Cause I just thought that's who Jason was. And he sure. was going to be that way from the beginning. And when it's Mrs. Voorhees, it blew my mind. And I had this weird reaction to it where I at first was like, this isn't what I signed up for. And then when he and I, when the movie ended and he and I and our other friend Kyle was there and the three of us talked about it and Jesse explained why it's so good and that we had to watch part two to then understand why part one makes so much sense. It, it really blew my mind, which we then that same night watched, I believe that same night or maybe another night we watched part two. Um, but I, part one, Friday the 13th, part one is one of my all time favorite horror movies because of the misdirection through the whole movie. And then you get that grieving mother who's just gone insane as the antagonist. And I think it's so smart how they did it and misled the audience for so long. Mm -hmm. That's my history with it. And then from, from watching part one and then part two pretty quickly after to really falling in love with Jason and, and his mom, I then wanted to gobble them all up. So pretty quickly in the time I watched this, 93, 94, 95, I watched all of the ones that had been released within a couple weeks time frame. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it got very difficult to continue watching <laughs> as each movie went on and on and on. But for a 14, 15 year old, um, it still was fun. You know, I still had fun watching them. And I wasn't thinking about truly how bad they were until I really sat down to think about each movie and compare them to the ones before. Yeah, I was just going to say, as a teenager, you're focused like on on three things. Um, two of them are probably attached to, to the lovely female actresses, and then you're also <laughs> focused on the blood and violence. And like that's, that's about right. it. Yeah. And, you know, g- going all the way up to Jason Takes Manhattan, there the blood and violence in this film is so weird. None of it is really shot in a way that, you you see it, you know, most of it is off camera, which is something they were doing in the late 80s with horror movies to to get that rating that they really wanted and make it not a N- NC-17 or, or X. They did a lot of kills off camera and they were very, in Jason Takes Manhattan, I feel they were very unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, the... Um... The actress who plays the main character, um, I think her name is Jensen Daggett. Yes. Uh, she plays Rennie, the main character. And I, I said this, We, me and Hunter actually did an episode of Real Fans uh, a few months ago where we, we talked about the entire franchise. And I'll say it again. I think she's the best part of this movie. I think she somehow, like they lucked out and got someone who was actually really talented and charming for the the final girl in this one. Um, and then the movie around her is just very bad, but she went on to have actually a pretty good career after this, but she talked about Jason takes Manhattan. And she said, it felt like they were almost like the Disney Friday the 13th, because it felt like the violence was so toned down Mm -hmm. and so much of it happened 
off camera and the the tone was just a little goofier so it felt a little more like almost family friendly but then at the same time there's elements of it that's skeezier than normal so it's yes. weird because it's like it's almost the tamest the tamest installment but also the skeeziest installment at the same time it's really a bizarre combination of things yeah yeah it, it's so odd the choices they made in this film, because like you said, they made it where the kills are off camera and the blood, when, when there's blood, it's like, you know, it's not moving anymore. Nothing explodes or, or is gushing. It's just there. And then there's this scene where they forcibly shoot, uh, Rennie up with heroin. And it's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. From one to the other. Yeah. I've gone on the record and I've said that, that is my least favorite moment in the entire franchise. For I, a franchise I agree. That, Mine as well. That, yeah. If for, for a franchise that does have its like, I mean, to be frank, like skeezy moments just because like you're watching these teenagers get it on and then get brutally murdered. <laughs> like, but like, this is like, this is in its own separate ball field. And, and like, that is, I carry a lot of, um, I, I don't think resentment is quite, quite the right word, but like I really don't like that scene. And that scene alone brings this one very, very low in my overall rankings of the franchise. It's it's a little too much. And I don't understand, like you guys are saying, I don't understand where that comes from because it's it it yeah. it tiptoes a fine line but like that is that is a uh, not even a toe over the line like that is like two whole feet away from the line i don't i don't get it right i completely agree with you um this movie it it would be a probably a d plus in my head if that scene didn't happen but that scene itself makes it an f yeah i mean it is it is so low in the franchise that it it's not worth watching unless we're doing a podcast about it <laughs> well, and it's so weird because, I mean, yes, Hunter, like, like you acknowledge, like all the movies have their moments. Like these movies, and, and I think it, it's what we call it on real fans is it's it's horror movie junk food, and that's okay. Sure. It knows what it is, but we're all in on the fun, you know. It's like the 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 sex, drugs, and violence. It's a party that we have all agreed to be a part of. Sure. And yeah. we're all in on that, but like that scene is somehow just so much more mean spirited and just feels like I didn't agree to that. You know, I yeah. like yeah. those teenagers, those consenting teenagers can get it on all they want. Great. Not watch. And we've all agreed to that. But like that scene, like it just makes you feel gross. Yep. Yeah. 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 I am glad that both those guys die pretty quickly from Jason's hand, but it's still, it doesn't make up for it. Um, did you both know that Pamela Anderson and Elizabeth Berkeley auditioned for Rennie's for the role of Rennie? No, <laughs> <laughs> I did not. That but... Completely changes my character. <laughs> yeah, what a different movie we would have got if it was Pamela Anderson in in that role. Yeah, or even Elizabeth Berkeley. You know, instead of Adderall, she would have been shot up with heroin. She'd be so excited. Jeez. <laughs> and it, the other actress that we got out of this film that is relatively well known is Kelly Hu. And I will say her mm -hmm. death scene in the film is my favorite death scene in the movie. It's the only one that I think is actually fun to watch. And in these movies, you know, it's, it's 
you shouldn't always say you're it's fun to watch it, somebody die, but that's what you, you're signing up for, like Andy said, in these movies. And her scene when she's in the little discotheque part of the cruise ship, which I don't know about any of you, but that cruise ship, quote unquote, is way bigger once you get inside it than it is when you're looking at it from the outside. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, oh, don't get me started on the cruise ship. That thing drives me crazy. It's my least favorite part of the movie because yeah. I'm I'm supposed to believe that you're going to put a senior class on that janky, ugly, <laughs> gross, rusty, unsafe thing and call it a vacation. Nobody yeah. vacations on a ship that looks like that. Like it's so... <laughs> gross and like it's so obvious that the production got it for like super cheap or for free or it was going to be condemned and they're like well we'll use it to shoot this movie but we have to pretend it's a cruise ship yeah (laughs) but i uh i i love that it's my it is my second favorite uh gross gangly like crew membership outside of uh peter jackson's king kong Ooh, good call yeah good call but I, I love the scene where she's running through the ship to get away from Jason. Kelly Kelly Who is running through the ship to get away from Jason. And she winds up in the little discotheque. And there are all these mirrors around her. And she, Jason is there. But he's there. And she doesn't know where he is because of the the lights and the music. And um, it's just, I think it's just a, a cool scene. And it's actually probably the scariest one in the film. Even though it's not really scary at all. But I just, I, I like. I just stuff. like that there is a disco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The disco, you know, like is one last of the upper deck of that ship, even though it's only a room. Right. <laughs> I gotta say, I I love the image of Jason holding a flying V guitar before doing a beheading. Oh, like that, that is pretty that cool. is like the highlight of the movie, uh, to be honest. And Andy, I think we mentioned it when we did our retrospective, but like people always talk about that boxing scene, but like mm-hmm. the boxing scene goes on forever. It feels like <laughs> like it like you kind of forget how long it is. These are combos keep it like. This is it. Shit. 
Until you watch it again. Yeah. 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 I, you know, the one thing I own when I think about Jason takes Manhattan and probably it's probably the same for everybody because Andy, you even mentioned it before we really got started with this podcast. But the one thing I always remember is Jason punching his head off on the roof and it flying down yeah. and yeah. going into the dumpster. Like that's the one part of this movie that has stuck with me since the mid nineties and rewatching it yesterday for this, it, it, kind of, you know, rekindled some of the the scenes that I remembered. And that's why I was like, oh, Kelly, who I remember this. And I remember the scene. I think this is pretty cool. But it also brought up a lot of that negativity, like the heroin, like the guy that's in the sauna for some reason that's on this cruise ship and gets yeah rock put into his chest, but you don't see it. And then Jason's holding it and it, you know, it's not burning his glove at all. It's just very, very weird and uh, not not earned. Well, and, and at this point, yeah, at this point, I mean, Friday the 13th was constantly trying to top itself with over-the-top kills at this point. Like, they embraced that portion of the franchise, and so that's where you get something that doesn't make any logical sense. But, yeah, like like the sauna rock right through a dude's chest. Like, there's no way it, to, it works. That's not how physics works, but whatever, you know. Um the stupid, you know, the head punch. It is the head punch is my favorite kill in it. It looks fake. It's ridiculous. But I came to Friday the Thirteenth for ridiculous. You know, right. it's different than when we talked about Halloween, where it's like Halloween. I come to be truly scared. Friday the Thirteenth. The more over the top, the better. That's right. fine. Right. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, how how ridiculous is it that they're it's called Jason Takes Manhattan and they're in Manhattan for a total of like thirteen minutes or something like that. Um, oh man, that's, I mean, that's the most infamous thing about Jason takes Manhattan. I mean, and and that's what everybody points to of being like, oh, it's terrible because it's an hour and a half movie. And for, you know, the first 70 minutes, you're just on this boat. And so everybody jokes, it's Jason takes the boat, you know, that's what it is. Um, and it's true. Like it's insane. And especially because like in this movie, Manhattan is, it's really one dirty alley in Vancouver. Right. <laughs> and then five seconds in Times Square. And that's yep. it. Yep. And then in what's supposed to be the sewers, where it seems in the late 80s they were dumping toxic waste in every night. <laughs> I mean, yes, look, obviously. Every night it's on the schedule, right? So, gotta get out of here. Here comes the nightly toxic waste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know that there's oversized rats in the sewers of New York and alligators that live down there. But I, I guess this is where they came from. The, the toxic waste that goes through the sewers every night in the eighties. I mean, originally the next one was going to be Jason versus the toxic Avenger. Like that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know what? Freddie doesn't want to play new line cinema. Boy, do I have a backup. Um, but like, don't you guys love that? It's not only toxic waste in the sewers. It is like, the the Ten Commandments flooding yeah, right, scene right. Of, of of horror movies in the sewers of Manhattan every single night. It's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep. Um yep. so I will say for like our complaints, and which there are a lot about this movie, it did give us one of the most iconic shots, I think, of 80s slashers, which is 
Jason standing in Times Square. Now it is like one shot, you know, like it's nothing to write home about, but like that is a really cool image to see somebody like that in a place like Manhattan. Yeah. I have talked on other podcasts about where I grew up and I'll just bring that up again. I grew up in New York and, you know, until I was 10, we lived in the Bronx and I got to go to, to Manhattan all the time. And even when we moved away from the Bronx, we were still only an hour train ride from the city. So I was in the city nonstop. And to see, to, to think that I was going to see a movie about Jason in Manhattan, I was pumped for it at 14, 15 years old. When I saw all the different titles for the movies after I saw one and two, and I was like, okay, all right, I got to check these off the list, but I need to get to number eight. Like I have got to watch the, <laughs> um, you know, I've got to watch the final chapter. I've got to watch Jason lives, but I am in a new beginning, but I am getting to Jason takes Manhattan and I am excited for it. And what happened? He was in Manhattan for five seconds and it I'm wasn't so in that new. I've, I felt cheated. Honestly, I felt like they that's, told a heartbreaker, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's a big old liars is what they are. Yes, that's they what they are. are. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree with you, Hunter. Like that, that moment is the best moment in the movie because guess what? That was the moment they promised us and everything else was kind of a bait and switch, you know? And I love that they literally have like five locations in Manhattan. I say with air quotes because Manhattan, like I said, it's, it's the alley that was in Vancouver. It's that random diner. It's the, there's like an escalator. There's the sewer. And then there's Times Square, right? It's like five different locations. And it's obvious that when they shot those scenes, they were like, okay, just, just leave the camera running. We just want some, some footage of the location with nobody in it, with nothing going on. And then they just used all of those scenes like for the opening credits. And I'm like, I'm like, so at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I already know all the, the, the five whole places we're going to get to see in quote unquote Manhattan, because now you just showed it to me before we even get there. It, yeah, I, I mean, like, I also forget. I, I mean, like, I know you just made a whole valuable point about Manhattan being like B footage, but like, I forget how long the intro to this movie is. It feels like it takes like five minutes before the movie actually starts. Oh yeah, it's, it's they're on that boat and um, it just takes forever. The guy jumps out with the mask and you, you see Jason get electrocuted. It's just uh, so yeah, Andy. We we talked about on that retrospective episode, but like the ending to this movie is just awful. Like I absolutely hate the ending and like how the the finish off Jason in this movie is 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 awful. <laughs> like I. Just, there's no other way to describe it. Like, I know I've said awful like three times, but just it is my least favorite. Like, how do we get rid of Jason moment in the entire franchise? Well, it, it is. It's 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 really bizarre. It comes out of nowhere. The you know, the, it seems like they demasked Jason in almost every movie. And some of the looks I like, some of them I don't. But this one's probably the worst. Um, and then, yeah, he just magically transforms into a little kid. And you're like, what? What well, the toxic waste? Yeah, it's just yeah, the toxic it's, waste just dissolved all I the big it. Jason off of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. and that's the thing is like, okay, it's terrible that it's called Jason Takes Manhattan and he's only in Manhattan for five minutes. Like, yes, but even if that weren't the case, it's still a bad movie. <laughs> like, all of the weird 
the weird illusions or whatever you want to call it. Like she's not hallucinating, but whatever the, the little ghostly illusions of, of Jason that she sees throughout the movie. Like, what is that? And like, she's and not then, the only one that sees it too. The dog can see it. So it's like, it's happening. Right. Like, so it's, it's really happening. So now Jason can haunt you with, with visions, like real visions. That's a new superpower he has. And like the terrible backstory about like she almost got drowned by Jason in Camp Crystal Lake, which doesn't make any sense because he wouldn't be there and he certainly wouldn't be a little kid at that point to drag her under her her stupid uncle. Like there's so much that's already bad about the movie that like the fact that you don't even get to go to Manhattan is is just icing on the cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, Andy mentioned that that unmasking scene um, that happens in every movie. And like this does have one of my least favorite small Jason moments in the entire franchise, which is when he's scaring off like those punk rockers in Times Square and he just like lifts his mask and like they're oh man sorry and like they run away like I just that moment does not work for me at all like it's a little too you expect me to believe Jason wouldn't just kill those teenagers like Jason doesn't care he's in the middle of being surrounded by people right he would just get rid of them he's not gonna lift his mask and be like ooh I'm the boogeyman and it's the same thing on the subway too he would have just been killing everybody on the subway not just walking after them yeah and, and guess what? That would have been fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's yeah. why we were there, is to see Jason go ham in Times Square or on the subway instead of just walking through and ignoring everyone because he's after uh, Rennie for no apparent reason, except maybe he wanted to, to, to finish the job of drowning her that he started when he was a ghost baby. But, like, <laughs> to see him actually, like, just cut loose – in New York, you'd go, oh, yeah, see, like, now this this is why I came. This is what I paid for. I would take five minutes of Manhattan if all five minutes he was just plowing through people. Right. The one thing that this movie does, and I, I, I have a hard time with it, so I'm going to throw it out to you both. But it has that the, the killer, the slasher, can just randomly appear or catch up to the heroes way better than in any other movie before. And I, there are parts of the movie where I'm like, you know, you need him to be behind this door now for the scare. Mm-hmm. And there's no way he could have really gotten there. But when they're in Manhattan, it's even more accentuated because on a, on a boat, maybe he could have found other passages or maybe there's other ways around. But in Manhattan, there's no way that they ran down the stairs into the subway and got on right when the doors were closing. And then Jason's in the next car. There's no way. Yeah. Um, and, and that happens a lot in Manhattan. You know, they get out of the alley um, they or they get out of the, the train and they get up to Times Square and she turns around and he's right there. Like, it's the most supernatural appearances of Jason in any of the movies. And I can't rectify in my brain whether or not I like that or it's so outlandish that it's just stupid and I don't like it. I mean, you're right. And at the same time, like, how did he get from the boat to Manhattan? Did he just walk on the bottom of the ocean really quick? Because we know Jason can't swim. That's the one thing we know about Jason. The dude can't swim. So, 
Yeah, like yeah, like the fact that he like wandered on the ocean floor like Pirates of the Caribbean and caught right up to them. And again, I know it's a horror movie, he's gotta get there, but like the fact that they were like, eh, we don't we don't care. He just gets there. Yeah, they I mean the boat could have just been outside of New York. Why'd they have to get on the other boat and then float for seemingly a few hours? I just just I don't know. Right. Exactly. Like there were uh, there were ways to write it where it was easier on them. Yeah, you know, my my high school senior prom, we rented one of those boats around Manhattan. So our senior prom was on a a boat. And so all of us went on and got on this like drive around Manhattan cruise ship. Why couldn't they have just been on that? That would have been better and made more sense. Right. But anyway, I digress. The the only other cool part about the movie, not even cool part about the movie, but cool part about Kane Hodder, who is Jason in this movie, is that I didn't know this until I was looking up facts about the film, but he can vomit on command. Did either of you know this? Oh, what an interesting talent. So in the movie, at the end of the film, when Jason is about to get, you know, taken over by the toxic waste in the sewer, he, for no reason at all, looks back at the rushing water or rushing toxic waste at him and starts vomiting up water. Mm Mm-hmm. That's actual, Kane Hodder actually did that. He drank a gallon of water an hour before that shoot and then vomited it up. That's dedication to the craft. Well, I got to say that talent shows at Kane Hodder's high school must have been a blast. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) And I think it's that that moment that like implies that Jason doesn't like water, which then factors into Freddy versus Jason. I think it's, it's really that. Yeah, yeah. So we needed Jason Takes Manhattan to get Freddy versus Jason. Thank so you, I guess Jason we'll give it a Takes Manhattan. Now. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I think we've we've beat this one into submission by knocking its head off of the roof of a building. So, um, Hunter, did Jason Takes Manhattan ruin what you knew about the Friday the 13th franchise? I've spent 30 minutes just shitting on this movie and uh, now you're going to have me say no it didn't (laughs) with these movies like you we we talked about it um, on that full retrospective but with Friday the 13th uh, you know, we just talked about Halloween and with Halloween, you've got a legacy to live up to. You've got the original film, which is a masterpiece to live up to with Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which, in my opinion, is probably the most consistent, like full horror franchise. Um, you've got one masterpiece with the original film and then some pretty great films. And then, you know, you got some crap because it's hard to. So with Friday the 13th, you know exactly what you're going in for. There's not going to be a perfect movie. You're just there to see some kills and the the sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of lifestyle. And every one of those movies, uh, I would say, except for maybe like the first two, kind of deliver on that um i mean you have aspects there but it really didn't hit its stride until a little bit later on um but but anyways there's not a perfect film in this franchise and for that i think it's a little easier to forgive some of the flaws of this movie now if we uh if we ever talk about jason goes to hell um (laughs) fuck that movie but everything else um i I can kind of turn a blind eye to this is not one that i'm going to be popping in my player very often but if I'm doing a franchise rewatch, I don't have that moment of regret as I'm putting it in the player. It's like, okay, well, I've got to get through this one to do the franchise, but that's okay. All right. So Andy, did this movie ruin what you knew about the Friday the 13th franchise? Uh, no, 
Of course not. It's so funny because <laughs> Hunter started the episode by going, oh, it's my favorite slasher franchise. And I started going, it's my least favorite slasher franchise. And yet we feel exactly the same about the franchise. In like everything that Hunter just said, I completely agree with in that like, what I like about it is it's unpretentious, trashy fun. That's what I like about Friday the 13th. So I don't really hold it to a very high standard because I don't think there's a truly great movie in there. I think they're all varying degrees of, of stupid fun. And that's okay. That's why I go to Friday the 13th. So I feel like you can't ruin that because it's like this is one of the lesser installments. It's n- it's a pretty bad movie. I don't even want to say it's not good. It's it's bad. It is a bad one. But like, eh, who cares? You know, like if you want to see Jason do his thing in a bad movie, like this will scratch the itch, I guess. It's never going to be the first one I, I reach for on the shelf. But like, eh, whatever. I kind of can watch it in the same way I can watch any terrible 80s slasher movie. Um, but like, I think the the magic of the Friday the 13th franchise is just that it doesn't have any higher aspirations to be great cinema. It's just trying to give you a cheap thrill for 89 minutes. And that's what this tries to do. I think mostly it fails, but that's okay. There are seven that came before and plenty that came after that uh, are going to scratch that itch a little more successfully than this one does. So it is what it is. It's one of the worst ones. It's not a good movie. It's a mess. It's all over the place. There are plenty of holes to punch into it. But like, eh, whatever. They tried something new. It didn't work. That's fine. I'll watch Jason Lives. Perfect. And for me, you know, you both have said you know what you're getting with this franchise. And I, I agree with that after Jason part or Friday the 13th part two. Um, there's something special and maybe it's truly because it was the first real slasher film I ever saw, but Friday the 13th part one holds such a special place in my heart and in my, my yearly horror watching because I just love the subversion to Jason's mother, to Mrs. Voorhees. And it's not a great film. It is such B schlock from the kills, from the way they cut things so that you know the hand stops moving before the machete comes all the way down. <laughs> I'm like, it's not well put together, but it still holds such a great place in horror cinema that I just, I, I love it. And when I think about all the places that Friday the 13th went after that, yeah, it's fun to get ridiculous and it's fun to just see Jason go off on killing sprees but there's something about this movie that just hurt me <laughs> and and it, i th- maybe it's the manhattan piece maybe it's the ridiculous ridiculousness of it all maybe it's the heroin part i i don't know exactly which of all of those things it is but it didn't ruin my childhood but man it made me not like friday the 13th for a little while like i didn't want to watch Jason goes to hell and that's not a great movie either. And so it didn't really want me to, or make me want to keep watching Friday the 13th movies, but it didn't ruin my childhood. It didn't ruin the Friday the 13th part one and two for me, but it definitely gave me pause. And that's, you know, that's a fault of the filmmakers and a fault of really just calling out that one scene in particular that I truly hate. 
uh, in the alley in in Vancouver slash Manhattan. It didn't just give you pause. It also gave Paramount pause because after this one, they're like, and we're done. You can have it, New Line Cinema. We're good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It's true. This was 89 and the next movie was four years later with a whole new studio. Hunter, where can people find you outside of this podcast? Sure. If you want to keep up with me, the best place to do that is, um, well, actually on a couple different podcasts. If you like all things Disney, you can hear me and Andy on Disorder Every Disney Film, where we're looking back at each Disney theatrically released animated film in order. If you like all things pop culture, but especially theme parks, you can hear me on Grim Grinning House. And if specifically you like Halloween Horror Nights, you can hear me on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. And if you want to keep up with me personally, you can do that on Twitter at HanBrolo77, H-A-N-B-R-O-L-O-7-7. Great, Andy. Hunter just pitched Disorder to you, so we're good there. Um, We also talked about Real Fans for Real Movies earlier on, where we did a a Friday the 13th look back not too long ago. Um, So yeah, you can check out that show as well. You can also check out Holy Batcast, all about Batman and the DC Universe, and then Why Not Futurama, where my pal Scotty and I, we are reviewing the entire series of Futurama episode by episode. All of those shows are at rf4rm.com where you can search for them by name. And then you can find me on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. It's just my name, Andy D. Genova. Great. And for me, everyone can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. You can also follow this podcast at Podcast Ruined. And we hope that this look back at Jason Takes Manhattan didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. I still wouldn't describe that as a perfect film. It's a, excuse me, I almost vomited on command. Um, It's a very, um, (laughs) 